is beautiful. It's got my mind on you. And everywhere I turn is a reminder. Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Welcome to this Bible lesson. Who is Jesus Christ? At Barah Ministries, we know this truth that Jesus Christ is God. And as believers in Christ, we affirm his deity. As it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, For us believers in Christ, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things come, and we exist for his good pleasure. And there is but one Lord, God the Son, who took on human form in Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, by which Lord are all things created, and we exist through him. Why does Barah Ministries exist? At Barah Ministries, we introduce people to the Lord. We make a difference by teaching the Word of God from God's perspective and not from man's perspective, and we teach the Bible verse by verse. Ah, excuse me, but what denomination are you? There's no such thing. That's Satan's stuff. There's no such thing as a denomination. There's Christianity. It's not a denomination. It's a relationship. Don't talk to me with that word. Get it out. It's poison. Barah Ministries is provided by God for the benefit of both unbelievers and believers. We give unbelievers the gospel message, the good news concerning Jesus Christ's amazing salvation offer. And we teach believers in Christ the Word of God, the Bible, the inerrant canon of Scripture, so that those who study can have a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with God. Ah, excuse me, yes. The Bible has a lot of contradictions. Okay, give me an example. Well, it says it's impossible for God to lie, okay? And it says nothing is impossible with God. Okay, I get it. The natural man doesn't understand the things of God, the Holy Spirit. They're foolishness to him because they're spiritually appraised. If you see that as a contradiction, you need prescription medication. You can't take verses out of context. Go back to the context and see what it says and see if you think it's a contradiction. So when we study the Bible, we aren't studying it in dueling Bible verses so that we can use Bible verses to make our stupid points. We use the context so that we know what God is saying to us. Completely different. Every time I consider using a Bible verse, And this is every single time I consider using a Bible verse in a lesson, I read the context. I've read the same context for the same Bible verse use over and over and over again to make sure 
that I'm not saying something deceptive. That's how you study the Bible. That's how we do it. Because we want a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord, and the Bible is our way to get to know the Lord. If you want to know the Lord, the Bible is the source of truth about him. In the Lord's conversations with his Father, on the night before he goes to the cross, his prayer for his believers, the real Lord's Prayer, the church-age Lord's Prayer, is in John chapter 17. Here's what he says in verse 17. Sanctify them. Set my believers apart for privileges that would, would stagger the imagination, Father. But especially set them apart in truth. Your word is truth. So at Barah Ministries, we encourage believers to gather themselves together with other believers to study the word of God instead of retreating from each other to do biblical study alone or only online. Because being with like-minded people is immeasurably valuable. That's what it was like being with the Goldberg family this, this week. And Jan Goldberg is Jewish. And he is a Christian. And he's, he's a brilliant man. He's got uh, funny and a lot of Yiddish. And what he described our week as is the Yiddish word kavelling which is when you cavell, you're just so happy you can't even put it into words. And that's why we gather together, because as believers in Christ, when we get together, it's a cavelling experience. It's so amazing. That's what we try to describe when we talk about Pastor Appreciation Weekend, when we talk about Homecoming Weekend, and we, you know, we're, we're through the experience. We think, wow, that was so good. It's just a preview of heaven. Because it's phenomenal to be around like-minded people. Why do we study the Word of God? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us, For the Word of God is alive. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God has penetrating power that is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Word of God is piercing, even dividing the soul and spirit. It's interwoven like the joints and the marrow, and it's a critic of thoughts and intents of the heart. As you study the Word of God with us, we implore you always to compare what you learn about God, both at Barah Ministries and in the world, with what the Bible has to say. And here's what the Word of God does. It crowds into your mind so that it can push out the lies that you've stored there for years. Dear old Pastor so-and-so, when I was 10, said blah, blah, blah. Yeah, great. But he was wrong. And the word of God is coming in and pushing out falseness with the truth. Let it go. God's enemy is Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world. He is a deceiver who hates everyone in the world, including you and me. In John chapter 12, verse 31, the Lord says, Now judgment is upon this world, and now the ruler of this world, Satan, will be cast out. He will be dethroned from ruling planet Earth at a future time. Satan's strategy against the human race is religion, which is designed to make us either indifferent toward God or antagonistic toward God. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, the Lord castigates those who are religious, castigate, talks nasty about them. And here's what he has to say, Woe to you! scribes and Pharisees, 
He, there are seven woes in that chapter. And I love it when legalistic Christians are saying, I can't believe you said a bad word. You said a bad word. You want to hear a bad word? Woe to you. If you knew what that actually meant, no, there's no swear word that we use that could even remotely compare to that word. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is somebody who talks from behind a mask. That's what a hypocrite is. Pretending out here and the real agenda is back here. And what hypocrites don't know is that they're transparent as glass. Anybody who's watching can see right through their crap. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel around on sea and land to make one convert to your religion. And when he becomes converted, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. That's pretty, that's swearing at its finest. Huh? Well, yeah, that's what you want to say right now. Whoa. That's right. Religion deceives many people into thinking that they're saved when they might not be. And it works really well. Billions of people are deceived. Matthew chapter 24, verse 24 says this. False Christs and false prophets will arise. False prophets are false teachers with their false teaching. False Christs, another Jesus, and false prophets will arise. And let me tell you what another Jesus is. Another Jesus is the, the Jesus who fell in love with Mary Magdalene and had a kid with him. B.S. B.S. Unbelievable stuff. False Christs and false prophets will arise. And we'll show great signs and wonders. Oh, the statue was crying. Oh, there was blood coming out of the painting. So as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Believers in Christ believe that crap. Oh, tongues. Yeah, okay. Satan sends liars to teach lies about a counterfeit Christ and a counterfeit gospel message designed to deceive the whole world, and especially believers in Christ. The Word of God is the truth, and it informs us about Satan's insidious deceptions. As believers in Christ, we are in union with Christ, and we have the victory over Satan through our Lord, who has overcome the world. Today's Bible lesson. In union with Christ, Christians are full of it. In union with Christ, Christians are full of it. You knew that, though, didn't you, Jim? Did you know that already? Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11 say this, For in Jesus, the Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. In Jesus, the Christ, All the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Key word there, all. Colossians 2.10. He is the head. He is the head. We're the body. We're the body of Christ. He runs it. He is over all rule. He is over all authority. Anybody who is in a position of authority reports to him, and he places everybody in a position of authority. Somebody, I think it was, was, I think it was Jan who asked me this week, um, why would Satan, why would God make Judas 
the treasurer when he knew that Judas was going to lie, cheat, steal, betray him, deceive him? Easy answer, because he's fair. That's why. He's fair. He knows, but he's going to still give you the chance. Why is he letting the whole world play out? Why is he letting Satan prove his boast that he can be like God? Why is he letting Satan prove that he's unfair and unloving? Because he's willing to let it play out. What's he got to lose? And he allowed us to be a part of it. Isn't that wonderful? If that's wonderful, say amen. Amen. I like it. I like playing a part. Colossians 2.10, he is the head over all rule and over all authority. Colossians 2.11, and in union with him, you have been made complete. You're full of it. You have been made complete. All the fullness is resident in our Lord and Savior. And in Ephesians, a sister letter of Paul's letter to the Colossians, another one of his prison epistles, In chapter 3, verse 19, Paul prays this. I, Paul, bow my knees before God the Father, and I pray that you may know the unconditional love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God the Father. Christians, you are full of it, because you are filled up to all the fullness of God the Father. Christians. Paul wants you to be full of it. But full of what? In today's lesson, we begin our verse-by-verse study of Paul's letter to the church at first century Colossae, and we'll learn what Christians are full of. You already know, but but I'm going to give you the biblical (laughs) I'm going to give you the biblical version. All right, let's hear some music. No creature can do a thing to get to heaven on his own. Romans chapter 11, verse 6 says this. If salvation is by grace, and of course it is, because that's a first-class condition, if, in the Greek, if, and it's true. If salvation is by grace, and of course it is, it is no longer on the basis of your works. Grace and works are night and day. You either work for your salvation, which results in the lake of fire, or you take the free gift of grace, which results in heaven. Your choice. Salvation is by grace, and of course it is. It is no longer on the basis of your works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. God's grace makes your salvation a free gift to you. And we learn this in the gospel message, the good news of the Lord's salvation offer. As the group Mercy Me sings, that's not just good news. That's the best news ever. Some say, don't give up And hope that your good is good enough Head down, keep on working If you can earn it, you deserve it Some say, push on through After all, it's the least that you can do But don't buy what they're selling from the truth What if I were the one to tell you That the fight's already been won Well I think your day's about to get better What if I were the one to tell you That the work's already been done It's not good news It's the best news ever 
Some say don't ask for help. God helps the ones who help themselves. So press on, get it right. Otherwise, get left behind. Some say he's given us hope. So try hard, then try a little more. But hold up, if this were true, explain to me what the cross is for. if we were worshiping a God who helps those who help themselves. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That is not our God. He helps the helpless. And thank God, because we're all helpless. So, yeah. Just funny. Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for Christianity the relationship you gift us with through your Son, our Lord, Jesus the Christ. Thank you for the fullness that your plan for mankind offers us. And thank you for our personal part of the plan, the path that you have created for each of us so that we can make a contribution in this world that glorifies the Lord through the direction of God the Holy Spirit. Show us how to use the fullness you have placed in us to make a difference one person at a time, in this lost and dying world. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, In Union with Christ, Christians are full of it. In Union with Christ, Christians are full of it. Well, usually when someone says we're full of it, that's the time to be offended. But when you're a Christian and someone says you're full of it, it's time to celebrate. John chapter 1, verse 16 says it well. For all of his fullness, his referring to the word, God the Son, who became flesh as Jesus the Christ and tabernacled among us. For all his fullness, we believers in Christ have all received. Really important to learn how to be a great receiver 
as a believer in Christ. Not just a giver, but a receiver as well. And what we have received is grace upon grace. What's that? Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. The Greek word charis, charis. Charisma comes from that. We've received charisma after charisma after charisma. My head almost exploded waiting to teach this lesson because there's so much that God has given us. How do you put it into one lesson? You can't. You can't. It's amazing what God has done. Christians are full of it. And what are they full of? Blessing after blessing after blessing. And I hope the study of Paul's letter to the Colossians has the exact same effect on you that it's having on me. My head is exploding with recollections and connections from our previous studies. Over the last 10 years, we have studied Paul's letter to the Romans, a 16-chapter letter that is the foundational teaching on biblical Christianity. We've studied Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, 16 chapters, that have addressed the problems of sin that plague us when we become believers in Christ. Because as soon as we become believers in Christ, Satan wants to come in and ruin everything. Satan, the enemy of God, wants to destroy everything that has anything to do with God, including us believers. He will use any means necessary, including Christians, to ruin our experience of Christianity, to ruin our relationship with God. And there are Christians who allow themselves to be tampons. They allow themselves to be used and defiled to hurt other believers in Christ. And it's disgusting to me because that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to ruin our relationship with God. He seeks to pervert it. He seeks to distort it. He seeks to dismantle it so that our relationship with the Lord and his word, so that our victory through Christ is destroyed. And he is not successful. He cannot win. He is already lost. Amen? Amen. Today, as we begin the verse-by-verse study of Paul's letter to the Colossians, I'd like to remind you what you received at the moment of salvation because that's what the first chapter is all about. The first chapter of of Colossians is all about what you received at the moment of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15 describes it succinctly. Here's what it is. Thanks be to God the Father for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God the Father for his indescribable gift. Well, it's just like this. The indescribable gift is this box. That's what you get at the moment of salvation. That box. A little green box. A little plain green box. For those of you who are listening and not watching, there's a little green box right up here on the pulpit, and it is representative of the gift of Christianity that God the Father gives you at the moment of your salvation. And it dawns on me at this very moment that the reason my head feels like it's going to explode is that for about four weeks I've been trying to describe something that is indescribable. 
Thanks be to God the Father for his indescribable gift, the gift of Christianity. It's indescribable. So the pressure is off. At the moment of your salvation, you were given a completely sufficient gift. It is the gift of a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God, the giver of the gift, the source of the gift, is perfect. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 4 says this, The rock, the solid foundation, the rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are just. He's fair. He is a God of faithfulness. He never would consider turning his back on you. And a God without injustice, righteous, free from sin, and upright is he. One verse that says so much about his character and his nature. And I just want to strangle people that were my friends in systematic theology who have the audacity and the arrogance to think that their, their private confession of their sins has, somehow has the power to put them in fellowship with God. They don't have the power to put themselves back in fellowship with God. And they don't have the power to get out of fellowship with God. And rebound is a direct attack on the character and nature and person of God. And the only people who could perpetrate such an attack are people who have not studied the Bible. And these fake Christians, and they're going to heaven. They've got the gospel part right. They're going to heaven, but they are phony, fake Christians who bag on people who have found, through the study of the word, the truth. While they, every day, 200 times a day, consider themselves going in fellowship and out of fellowship every time they sin, and that they have the audacity to think that some confession they make puts them back in fellowship with God. There's only one thing that pays for sin. One thing only. The blood of Christ shed at the cross. That's it. And this is what Christians are walking around thinking. Christians are walking around thinking that if you don't swear, you're somehow special. Bullshit. It's false. And I'm sick of it. Sick of hearing it. It's false. We're not good enough to save ourselves. We're not good enough to get ourselves into fellowship with God, and we certainly can't destroy it. God's not stupid enough to give us a gift that we could screw up. Amen? Amen. He doesn't. At the moment of your salvation, you got this amazing gift, a perfect God with a perfect plan for mankind and a perfect personal plan for you has given us a perfect and indescribable gift. And what is it? Christianity. A relationship with Christ. He placed us into union with Christ through the baptism of the Spirit. God the Father sent His Son to die for you because every sin you commit has to be paid for. And there are only two people that can pay for it. You or Him. Now, pick your choice. Take your choice. You want to pay for it yourself? Huh? Raise your hand if you want to pay for your own sins. Not me. I'm raising my hand. God, take care of my light work. You do it. 
But there are people walking around right today, Christians, they're saved, they're going to heaven, thinking that somehow they're doing something to help God in the sanctification process. God the Holy Spirit doesn't need your help in the sanctification process. Jesus Christ paid for your salvation at the cross. So when you say, Father, I believe in Christ, you're saved, he paid for that. You didn't pay for it, it's free. Now you're in sanctification, right? Sanctification, who pays for that? God the Holy Spirit. Who does it for you? God the Holy Spirit. You can't do jack. He doesn't need your help. Oh, he's omnipotent. (laughs) Oh, he has all the power. Oh, your power isn't enough to light a light bulb. You're lucky you can turn on a switch to light a light bulb. Amen? Cannot escape it. What is this relationship with Christ? Fullness. You're full of it. It needs no additions. It needs no deletions. Simply, it's perfect. You hear me, women? You hear me? Because y'all always want to change it up. That's a nice box, but we could change it up. Right? I mean, like, like the tape. I'm not. Uh, how's that? All right. We need to change it up. It's not your hair. You want to change it up? Do it with your hair. We got a hair person in here. Go to her. Christianity needs no changes. Someone said to me once, Rory, you're wealthy, but how much money is enough? Well, of course, I answered the question with a number, but I was lying. I was lying. Because once you start making money, you want more, more, more. How do you like it? How do you like it? More, more, more. You get obsessed with making money. More, more, more. I need to make more money. I need to make more money. And then when you get to that, you need to make more money and more money. And you're still the same jerk you were when you weren't making a lot of money. More, more, more. So, I wanted more. Well, let me be clear on one thing. There's nothing wrong with making money. Many Christians swing the pendulum in the opposite direction of more, more, more to less, less, less. They become allergic to money. They adopt a lifestyle of asceticism. And in Paul's letter to the Colossians, one of the four maladies that his letter is addressing is asceticism. And we will learn that this is one of the things that Satan infects us with, the urge to deny self. Asceticism as a form of spirituality, as if we are somehow more pleasing to God when we are repelling money, as if living a life of scarcity is pleasing to God. It is not. He is not a God of scarcity. He's a God of abundance. And we have an abundant God who wants us to enjoy the abundance that he provides. But there are some of us who are sieves. As soon as the money comes in, we just have our arms up, we catch the money, and we send it right back out. Catch the money, and we send it right back out. You know, I was helping a friend of mine who had no savings account, and within three months, we got his savings up to $10,000. Very simple principle, pay yourself first. As soon as you get your check, take one-tenth of it, put it in the account, Put it in an index fund, forget it exists. 
And so what does he do after three months when he gets his balance to $10,000? He stops doing the thing that was successful. Just stop. Stop doing the thing that's successful. Well, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Why would you stop doing the thing that was successful? Oh, well, I don't have enough money to uh, pay my bills. Oh, your bills are more important than your savings account? Oh. Oh, there's too much month at the end of the money? You start paying off all your bills, and then at the end you don't have enough? Oh, but when you were doing the opposite, when you were paying yourself first, you had enough money to pay your bills. What happened? It's magic. That's what we're going to study in Colossians 2, mysticism, the mysticism of paying yourself first. You see, that's what we do as human beings. We, we do something successful, and we sabotage it. Why? Why? Stupidest question you ask in life is why. Who cares why? Stop doing it. Do what you were doing that was working. Don't try to explain it. Don't sit and play with the lint in your navel and contemplate it. Don't grab a booger, rub it into your fingers and say, where did it go? Stop scrutinizing life like that. Just do what works. Christianity works. It needs no additions. It needs no subtractions. It's perfect. Perfect God. Perfect plan personal to you, Christianity, a relationship with Christ, needs nothing else. You can't handle it. You can't handle it. You need to fix it. You need to add to it. But, but wouldn't this be so much cuter if we had flowers on it? Satan infects us with asceticism, this form of spirituality as if we're somehow more pleasing to God when we're repelling money. We're not. He wants us to have abundance, and so there is nothing wrong with being paid what the marketplace is willing to pay for your services. Rory, how much is your focus selling system worth? Whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. That's how much it's worth. And I'm constantly surprised at how much people are willing to pay for it. It's worth it. But the marketplace sets the price. And if what's fair in the marketplace is you make 100 grand a year, make 100 grand a year. Don't repel it. Because you know what? 100 grand a year is almost minimum now. I mean, what can you do with that? That used to be an amazing lifestyle today. That's just barely sneaking by. I, I, I laughed so hard. The government giving us $600. Oh, I gave you a stimulus payment, $600 or $1,400. What's that going to do? One $1,400 payment. What's that going to do? I'll tell you what it does. It keeps the $7 an hour people at home for two months instead of having them get their butt to work. And that's why, we, that's why we're not moving the, the, the guy, that our landlord can't get the help he needs to build the space. Can't get people to work because the government's helping them not work. Awesome. What a concept. 
my experience of Christianity is in direct opposition to the more, 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 and less, less, less lifestyle. Christianity is enough. Your grace is enough for me. You should add that as a song today somewhere in here. The gift through the <laughs> through the gift of Christy. It's her fault. That's right. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Through the gift of Christianity, we Christians are full of it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. I, Paul, pray that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God the Father. Oh, man. You Pentecostals should be raising your hand right now. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Amen. Oh, my goodness. I need to walk down the aisle and give a confession with my Bible in my hand. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, and in union with the Christ, you have been made complete. Christianity is perfect, and it needs no help, and especially not your help. Christians are full of it. The gift of a relationship with Christ is enough. What does it give us? I can only list five things because I don't have time to list the 5,000 things it gives us. Here's one. We become spiritual. I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm more spiritual. No, you aren't, because here's what it means to be spiritual. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And so I, Paul, brethren, fellow believers in Christ, could not speak to you, Corinthian believers, as I would speak to spiritual persons. What's a spiritual person? Those with the indwelling of God the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the asset of all believers in Christ. We are indwelled by the entire Trinity, as a matter of fact, here in the church age. So we've been made complete. We are spiritual, and our spirituality does not need any help. We are made holy and blameless. Some of you thought you were holy just because of your socks. But no, at the moment of salvation, God made you holy and blameless. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. God the Father chose us believers in Christ to be in union with Christ before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless and beyond reproach. We are victorious. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. Thanks be to God the Father who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You already won the game. You stand victorious. You won the game. The game is over. Satan comes to you. Hey, the game's not over. Satan's like the Russians back in 1972 when they stole the gold medal from our Olympic basketball team. The game was over, and they convinced the refs to put more time on the clock, and then they stole the game. And that whole Olympic team of ours has never accepted the silver medal because the gold medal was stolen from us. And that's what Satan seeks to do, that very same thing. He want, you won the game, and he wants you to think you haven't. You won. It's over. We are saints. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. And this letter is written to all of you who are the beloved, the divinely loved ones of God the Father. You believers in Christ living in Rome, saints by calling. The set-apart ones. Set apart for privileges that would stagger the imagination. 
we have an indescribable gift that is simple and pure. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I, Paul, am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. What more do we need than us to be spiritual, holy, blameless saints who have the victory through the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. We need nothing else in fullness, in completeness, in completeness. We can be completely satisfied. Ah, but the enemy isn't having any of that. Oh, no. No. The enemy has a gift for you, too. Notice the slime ball. All right, so he uses his favorite color, red, because fire is red. The lake of fire is going to be red. There's going to be a lot of red around him in the lake of fire. And see how he counterfeits? He puts a little green on it to entice you, to say that the green box isn't enough. He puts a big bow on it to attract you. And you look at it and you say, oh, man, that's really shiny. I like that box. It's shiny. It's bigger. It's better. And he sucks you into the better life. Christianity's not a better life. It's a different life. But he's offering you the better life. Because he's saying the life you have already is good enough. It just needs a little improvement. Christianity needs no improvement. That Selling that pitch to unbelievers means they need to be a little more spiritually dead. And that's what he wants them to be because he wants them to stay spiritually dead. You're spiritually dead at the moment of birth. He wants you to be better, more spiritually dead. But for Christians, he actually wants you to abandon the victory, the privilege that you have, and to take on this phony, shiny, counterfeit lifestyle. Because see, in this box, in this green box, you're going to put the boxes up so people can see the damn boxes? Oh, are they up? Okay, good. I couldn't see over here. Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. So, <laughs> so in this green box, there are all those gifts that I was talking to you about. Spirituality, holiness, blamelessness. You're a saint. You're a priest. You're an ambassador. This box is so full, chock so full, that you can see the pieces are coming apart. It's, it's popping at the seams. In this box, there's nothing in there. Because Satan is a liar. And the, the one who keeps on fathering lies, there's nothing in the box. It's just a mirage. And he tells you, go away from this, go over here. And when you open it, there's nothing in it. And how many times have we done that? See, but here, look, if you do that one time, I get it. If you do that one time, I get it. But you do it a hundred times. You keep believing it. And the boxes just keep getting bigger. And you keep believing it. You know who you like? You like Charlie Brown. And Satan is Lucy with the football. Right? And she kept promising, Charlie Brown, I'll hold the football. Just come and run and kick the football. And every single time she yanks the football. Every time. And Charlie Brown's stupid. He keeps running to kick the ball. Satan wants you to think that Christianity is not enough. So he offers a gift as well, a bigger, brighter, shinier box, 
for those of you who are listening, not watching, I've got a big red box with a big white bow and big green uh, ribbons all around it, uh, a box twice the size of the small green box. But it's empty. It's counterfeit. We love, love abandoning our box, which is perfect, and going to checking out the prize. Oh, it's shiny. It's really shiny. When we return from the break, we'll take the offering, and then we'll see what's in the red box. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. Told I belong at the end of the line with all the other not quite, with all the never get it right. But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul ever since you read.
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson in union with Christ. Christians are full of it. In union with Christ, Christians are full of it. We are full of abundance. When we give, we present something voluntarily without any expectation of return compensation. We can give our time. We can give our talent. We can give our treasure. And as our relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ grows, we learn to make giving our life's work without expecting anything in return. Yet the Lord does not honor our desire to get nothing in return. He always gives to us in abundance. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, The thief, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, the Lord Jesus Christ, came that believers in Christ may have the resurrection life. And I came so that they might have the resurrection life abundantly. So as a result of the Lord's generosity, we learn not to have a mindset of scarcity in the matter of giving. So as you give today, give without fear. Give abundantly, knowing that with the Lord you will always get abundance in return. Receiving in return is not your motivation. It's just a fact in union with the Lord. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Good morning. morning. My name is Denny Goodall and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Barah Ministries. Barah Ministries is a worldwide Christian church and this is a place for real people want to listen to a real pastor teach the real truth from the Word of God. We're blessed to have you, Deacon. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I love hearing stories from, from the past of Pastor Rory Clark. I love hearing when he was a kid, you know, he got busted down to the white meat when he went across the street and he wasn't supposed to. He got hit in the head, got found out right away. He didn't learn the hard way after that. But I love hearing about his mom because she seems like an amazing lady. You know, he says, you know, not everybody's perfect and nobody is. No parent is perfect. But she had some amazing characteristics from hearing about her. You know, she, pastor said, I bought a house. And she's like, walks into this 3,000 square foot houses and just unimpressed. You know, he graduated from University of Northwestern, or Northwestern University. Unimpressed. She's just unmovable. She's not focused on the things that we're focused on. A lot of people are focused on money or focused on, you know, having the, this and the bow tie and all the extra stuff. You know, let's put a bow on the side, too. <laughs> But she was just unmovable, and I think that's great as a parent because I get moved too easily by my kids, and I get impressed too easily by my kids, you know. My kids walk in, and they're like, hey, look, I made my bed. I tied my shoe, and I imagine Dorothy Spann, so what? (laughs) You know, but here I am, oh, that's so great, so great job. I think we we commend ourselves too much for for silly things, for worldly things. You know, and people, they graduate from, the, you graduate from a college or a university. Great. So what? Four million people did that last year. You know, you buy a house. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. I bought a house. Great. Six million people did that last year. You're not special. You know what's special? This right here. Christianity. You know, and for Dorothy Spann, she, was un, she just was unmoved. She was focused. You know, she knew she might, she might not have had everything she wanted, but she had what she needed. Scraping by, she had a house for her boy, and then she was raising him just fine. Wasn't focused on all the bells and the whistles and the other things or competing with other people. 
we all get wrapped up and pulled into this stuff, not into the right thing. And I just think it's amazing, and I'd like to live by that and remember that more, that she, you know, just, you know, we're, I can be impressed with my children brushing their teeth and washing their hands properly, but it's really not the big thing to focus on. Spirituality, their spiritual life is what's important in their life. And as I look in the Bible, <clears throat> these verses remind me of Dorothy Spann. First John chapter 5, verse 4. For whoever is born again through the agency of God the Father overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith in Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope, our absolute confidence in Christ, without wavering. For God the Father, who has already made a promise to us, to us is faithful. So we don't, have to be, we don't have to be moved or shaken by this world either. We can be confident that we ha- what we have is what we need right now. And I think as we sit here in this church, we need to ask all ourselves, so what? Now what? With what we have, we need to do more. This is your chance to give it the offering, but it's also your chance every day to give people the gospel, to give people the message so they can be in Christ as well. And so they can have the filling of the Holy Spirit, the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit that rebound has no effect on. And so this is just an amazing opportunity for all of us to give it the offering, to give of our time, our talent, and our treasure. But it's really one of those things, let's give our gift, our spiritual gifts, to those around us. Let's make impact. Let's have impact in this life. Let's not waste it. We did a funeral yesterday, and everybody was, they were saying, I should have, I could have, I would have. Well, let's do it today. Let's do it now. Let's not waste the time for those people we really care about and we really love. And that's especially Jesus Christ and everybody here. So thank you very much. Have you been praying And you still have no answers Have you been pouring out your heart For so many years Have you been hoping That things would have changed by now
How's that? Today's Bible lesson in union with Christ, Christians are full of it. In union with Christ, Christians are full of it. You write about Dorothy Spann Clark. Denny, when I graduated from Northwestern, I was so happy. And she said, what, did you do something big? <laughs> when I got in graduate school, I, was, uh, I got a letter that said I was going to get a fellowship so they were going to pay my tuition and give me a $295 stipend per month. And I was screaming. I was so happy because I had never gotten anything like that before. And she said, calm down. Don't be putting your business in the street. It's like, whatever, Mom. <laughs> I'm happy. I'll wait until you leave to celebrate. All right, so today's Bible lesson in union with Christ. Christians are full of it. Well, what's in Satan's big, red, shiny box? So my first inclination is to say, who cares? But that would be doing you a disservice because you do care. Because you're deceived by the great deceiver and you probably have never asked yourself, how much is enough? How much is enough, more, more, more people? Why don't you want more, less, less, less people? Well, the Lord says in Psalm 46, verse 10, cease striving... And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. God is asking his believers in Christ to remember that he is enough for us. And it may not be apparent to everyone now because his full power and authority have yet to be revealed. But here's the truth. Philippians chapter 2 verses 10 and 11. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus, the Christ, is the Lord, God the Son in human form, to the glory of God the Father. All the people who are atheists now who deny him, they will be saying it. He is the Christ. All the people who are agnostic, who don't think the mysteries of Christ can be known, they will be saying it. All the people in the lake of fire will be saying it. Jesus is the Christ on their knee. It will come off their tongue. Jesus is God. 
that sign behind us. They will be saying it. Well, our problem, we don't believe the truth. We accept the deception. So we strive. We don't think what God has given us is enough. In Paul's letter to the Colossians, what we'll learn is the Lord is enough. Chapter 1 describes the Lord and his work on our behalf. It is the most romantic and beautiful description of our Lord that exists on this planet. It will take your breath away. And this amazing God we have offers us a perfect gift, Christianity, represented by the plain green box. In Colossians chapter 2, we learn that Satan sends in false teachers and false teaching to convince us that our perfect relationship needs to be enhanced. It either needs more or our perfect relationship is too much and it needs less. I had a person in my life who was saying, I just want the simple life. I just want the simple life. Yeah, okay. All right, do you have it? Because the simple life is Christianity. She was a Christian. So why is she wanting something that she already had? That's how we are. Because her eyes were over here. Like, that didn't already exist. It was over here somewhere. Well, go on in the box and see if it's in there. It's not in there. Remember the Devil's Advocate movie? Where Satan said, I'm a fan of man. The last great humanist. Sure he is. Satan's claim that his gift, the big red shiny box, is the solution to our problem is a lie. And so what do we do? More, 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 more. And what is the feeling that we get from the more, 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 more? Empty. Empty. You know, I think about the owners of the Arizona Cardinals. And I don't know how long it's been, 10 years, 12 years since that stadium was built. But... Stadium's gorgeous. They got $330 million from Arizona, which was accumulated through taxes to hotels and cars and everything. $330 million to build the stadium. Awesome. They got $115 million for the naming rights. University of Phoenix Stadium. Because that's what it was when it first started. So they walked into that building, and that building was free of charge to them. And they can't buy players. They get the same money, money, TV money, that all the teams get. But if the Arizona Cardinals' first-line players go down, the second-line players and the third-line players are just a little better than high school players. People playing running back in the NFL for $250,000 a year. How much money is enough? Because with $415 million taking care of the stadium, the money that you get from TV in one year, one-tenth of it would be enough to fund index funds for 100 people in the family at $3 million a clip, which would kick off $300,000 a year for the rest of their life. How much money is enough? More, more, more. Just see the bank account getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then what happens? You die. 
and then you pass it on to the next generation, and they do the same hoarding. And then what do they do? They die. That's what Satan is promoting. Strive, strive, more, accumulate, more, more. And then he teaches the government to steal it from you. They're amazing at it. They're amazing at it. Yep. So what does Satan say? We need to do more to please God. Yeah, believe in Christ, but you've got to keep the sacraments. If you don't keep the sacraments and you die with a mortal sin on your soul, you're going to hell. Nope. Sorry. Here's how you go to hell. You believe in the Roman Catholic Christ, who is another Jesus. That's how you go to hell. Because that Jesus didn't finish the work of salvation at the cross. So the priests help him every day by turning bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. Yes, sure. Sure they do. Yeah, absolutely. They have that power. Nope. Nope. And people believe it. And you better not tell them that it's a lie. You, you could subject yourself to bodily harm telling them it's a lie. How much do you think I care what their opinion is of what I tell them when I tell them the truth? I don't care what their opinion is. Because their opinion is completely false, and they couldn't back it up if their life depended on it. They can't back it up. They'll go into the catechism to back it up. More, more often, they'll just use words to back it up. You can't back up what you're saying with words. I don't back up what I'm saying with words out of Rory's mouth and Rory's opinion. This isn't Rory's lesson. It's the Holy Spirit's lesson, and everything the Holy Spirit does, he takes out of the book. You want to prove it? Go to the book. That's not what Satan says. Satan says go to the present. Go to the gift. Open that box. It's better than that green box. Look at that little thing. The tape keeps flopping open. You know, you got to change it up. Here's what the Lord tells us through Paul. He tells us that he's enough. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Not that I, Paul, speak from want. I have learned. How do you grow in this life? With those three words, I have learned. And there are a lot of people who don't learn. They ask questions, but they're not asking questions to learn. They're asking questions to talk. I see this all the time in my class. Yeah, but don't you think? Nope, I don't. I think what I just told you. What do you think? I think what I came in here is good enough. Yeah, well, then why aren't you making your number? Why is your company behind on its projections? If, if what you're doing is good enough. Why did they bother to hire me? What were they doing? To trying to entertain you? Because I'm not entertaining. These are salespeople. Because they got all the answers. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I have. I love the green box. Why? Because it's enough. It needs nothing else. What is it called when you love the green box? 
satisfaction, fulfillment. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me like, what's that? <laughs> yeah, if you strive, you don't know what that is. Philippians 4.12, I, Paul, know how to get along with humble means. I can get along with nothing. I lived in the hood. I also know how to live in prosperity. That's harder. In any and every circumstance, I have learned. Learned what, Paul? The secret. Huh? The secret. What's the secret of contentment? What's the secret of being filled and going hungry, of having abundance and suffering need? What's the secret? Hey, come in real close so I can tell you the secret. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who keeps on pouring his enabling power into me. That's the secret. But shh, don't tell anybody. My birthday just happens to be April 13th. 4-13? Coincidence? I don't think so. God was telling me the secret. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You know, you're not like a weeble, June. I'm like a weeble. I wobble, but I don't fall down. There are a lot of people who try to knock me down in my life. It never worked. You know why? Because Dorothy Span Clark had another expression, Denny. She used to say, One monkey don't sh stop no show. He may slow it down for a minute. The most determined person I have ever met in my entire life, and I've met thousands of people all over the world, was Dorothy Spann Clark. And she poured it into me. And when I decide that I want something, I get it. And that's it. And nothing can stop me. You know why? Because I have a secret. Shh. Don't tell anybody. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When people look at me, you know what they see? A nigger. They don't say that out loud. Oh, because nigger has turned into the N-word. Not for me. That's what they see. You know what they don't see? The secret. Christ indwelling me. The hope of glory. And you know what? He didn't stop doing it with me. <laughs> he said it with you guys, too. Isn't that amazing? And I know, I know you got up this morning and say, Hello, you handsome devil. 
Hello, you gorgeous chick indwelled by the Trinity. <sighs> you didn't say that. You saw all the little, you know, you was crying last night and it's all dried up on the side of your face and snot's coming out of your nose. Uh, your makeup, you're too lazy to take it off last night, so it's all over the pillow and all sideways on your face. You didn't see the indwelling trinity in you. You then your hair is all over the place till you slick it down with that pomade. so true (laughs) Christians are full of it we're in union with Christ and we're filled with his divine power we're filled up to all the fullness of God we are absolutely complete in Christ and nobody can ever take it away from us is there anything better than that Well, the closing moments of our study today are a reminder to anyone who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want you to remember that God wants you. And what he wants from you is that you make the most important decision of your life. Why? Because you matter to God. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise of salvation, as some accuse him of, Instead, he is patient toward unbelievers, not wishing for any to perish in the lake of fire, but for all to come to repentance, which is a voluntary change of mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. To God's enemy, Satan, the ruler of this world, you don't matter at all. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober of spirit and be on the alert, for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's a roaring lion with no teeth. You are the someone on Satan's hit list. And Satan, the enemy of God, dislikes you so much that he doesn't want you to be saved. He doesn't want you to be with God in heaven when you close your eyes in this life. He wants you to be with him in the lake of fire. He wants you so badly that he sends false teachers to deceive you with their false teaching. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, the Lord himself warns about this. He says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. The bad news is that all of us are born in a state of unrighteousness. We are born physically alive and spiritually dead as ungodly, unrighteous unbelievers. It's not our fault, but it is our circumstance. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, the Bible says, All in union with Adam at physical birth, and that's every human being who comes to earth, are set to die the second death in the lake of fire. Well, this gospel message is your guide to the good news that rescues you from the kingdom of darkness that you were born into, inviting you to be born again into the spiritual life available in God's kingdom of light. Satan, the enemy of God, this very real being who is a real being and not a concept, 
uses false teachers to give you a false gospel message. For example, if you've ever had Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door, they are evangelizing to you. If you've ever had members of the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints come to your door, they are evangelizing to you. And unfortunately, both of those groups are inviting you to believe in a false gospel message and a false God so that you can share eternity with them in the lake of fire. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, Paul warns, Beware if someone comes and preaches another Jesus whom, you ha- whom we have not preached. And, of course, they do. That's a first-class condition, if. If and it's true. They do preach another Jesus. Some people are inviting you to worship a counterfeit Christ. Neither the Jehovah's Witnesses nor the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints believe that Jesus Christ is God. I have family members who are part of one of these religions, and despite my best evangelism efforts, my family members don't want to hear anything that God has to say to them through me. That's fine with me. Many parents in these religious organizations are leading their children to an eternity in the lake of fire. If you want to assess whether or not you're a good parent, just ask yourself a simple question. Are you influencing your children to have a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the sovereign God of the universe? Because He is the only way to get to heaven, according to John chapter 14. Verse, excuse me, verse 6. Jesus said to the doubting apostle Thomas, I am the way to salvation. I am the truth through the gospel message, the word of God, and I am the resurrection life. And one comes to God the Father in heaven, but through believing in me. Are these flowers real? <laughs> Well, there. (laughs) If a gospel message makes it sound like you have to work to get to heaven, it's a false gospel message. Romans chapter 11, verse 6 says we don't have to work to be saved. If salvation is by grace, a free gift from God, and of course it is, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace as a free gift is no longer grace. It's not free. In fact, Romans chapter 4, verse 4 says you can't work for salvation. You can't save yourself. Romans 4, 4, Now to the one who works for salvation, his wage for his work is not credited to his account as a favor from the grace of God, but his wage is credited as what is due for the work. Your hardest work is not perfect enough to earn you a spot in heaven. Do you want to get to heaven free of charge? Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. John chapter 3, verse 36 warns, He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. Who is this God that saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. He says, I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was buried, 
and that he was raised from the dead on the third day, according to the Old Testament scriptures. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, highlight Jesus' mission. For God the Father loved the world unconditionally, and he loved the world so much that he gave his uniquely born son, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be crucified on a cross, so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God the Father did not send God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world to judge the world, but the Father sent the Son into the world that the world might be saved through Him. You can spend the eternal state with God's enemy, Satan, in the lake of fire, or you can have the free gift of eternal life and live in God's presence forever. And you can decide that right this minute. There's no time to waste. Because God wants you. If you want to go to heaven when you close your eyes in this life, simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ right now and you will be saved. Take the Lord's word for it concerning what it takes to be saved and the resurrection of life is yours free of charge. Put your salvation in his very capable hands. Well, let's close with music. As he hung from the cross to pay for the sins of the whole world, the Lord Jesus Christ won the strategic victory over Satan. And in John chapter 19, verse 30, this was the next to the last thing he said on that cross. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Tetelestai in Greek. One word in Greek. Tetelestai, which means paid in full. Take that, Roman Catholics. And Jesus bowed his head and gave up his spirit into the hand of God the Father. The last thing he said on the cross was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he bowed his head. The Lord's redemptive work was finished once and for all through the payment of his blood at the cross. Redemption. He redeemed you from the slave market of sin so that sin is no longer sovereign over you. And once the Lord does something, it can't be undone. Well, here's June Murphy to sing about it in her song, You Can't Undo the Cross. From the moment you believe by the Trinity You were saved by faith and grace God's plan Baptized by the Holy Spirit You were made new You were made perfect And you cannot be snatched From His right hand You can't undo the cross You can't unfinish The work Christ has
anybody can do about it. The cross is done. Tetelestai, our God said, it is finished. Salvation is paid in full. Unbelievers, salvation is paid for. Believers, salvation is paid for. Free gift, green box, just waiting for you to come and accept it. Nothing hard about that. Well, in the closing, let's do a doxology of praise to our God. Let's close with words of worship. For our Almighty God. Proverbs 3 5 says, Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord, and he will direct your path straight. Psalm 46 1 says, For God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Isaiah 40 verse 13 says, Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, we just thank you. We're so encouraged by the chance to study the letter to the Colossians, to know everything we can know about you and how magnificent and preeminent you are 
and how sovereign you are and how you are in control, total control of the universe, totally sufficient, needing nothing else. We're happy to know that you always send in emissaries, pastor teachers, apostles, disciples into troubled areas to handle the problems that are going on, the problems of false teachers and false teaching like mysticism, asceticism, legalism, and philosophy. And we're so encouraged that you gave us your Son for our salvation, you gave us the Holy Spirit for our sanctification, and that you have a plan for all mankind and a personal plan for us. And we're so grateful that you incline our, your ear to us so that we can come to you in our weakness in prayer. And you always have your arms wide open and you always have your provisions ready, willing, and able to provide everything we need. Thank you so much for that. And as we go forward into the world, let us be a perfect reflection of you and the Spirit and your Son so that other people can see your glory through us and will gravitate to the unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace that is part of the Christian way of life. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.